0: Great job, that was The team win in all three phases. Was it pretty? damn right it was pretty. It was pretty. Get better, man. One day at a time, one game at a time. Family on three. One, two, three. Yeah, big nasty all-fame Tempe Buccaneer fan, baby. This is Mike Allstott, Tempe Buccaneers, and you're listening to the Cannon Fire Podcast. Cannon Fire Podcast, brother! When you hear the sound of the trunk, we'll be saying, Here we come. Yeah, here we come. Hey, here we come. Check out Hope, man. We're going to kick these wolves.
1: You ain't listening and you're missing out.
0: Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new edition of the Cannon of Fire podcast. Coming back at you today for episode number 85. And today, we get to talk about a Buccaneers victory. Two weeks ago, we talked about it when they beat the Cardinals. Week after that, of course, we were disappointed when they lost to the Saints in embarrassing fashion. And now, they have totally gone out and redeemed themselves. Maybe not for the season, But for the time being, with a convincing 35-22 victory over the Atlanta Falcons in the battle for last place, they won a crucial game on the road and kept themselves out of the cellar of the NFC South in impressive fashion. We're going to talk about all of that today here on the show. Welcome back. If you're new around here, I am your host as always, Rhett Matthew. Joined alongside me as always, my good buddy and co-host, Mr. Bucks Football, Evan Wanish. And Evan, how are you feeling today, man? Victory Monday, isn't it sweet?
1: Uh, pretty good, how are you?
0: I'm doing good, I'm doing good. Like I said, in a great mood. It's Victory Monday, had a very, very busy weekend at work, so to top it all off with a Bucks win, and a Bucks win that looked like it did, just made it feel all the better. There is a lot of good to come from this game. And, of course, we'll talk about all of it today.
1: Well, the biggest thing to me was this game was never really, like, in doubt. Like, towards the beginning, kind of.
0: Yeah, after the two interceptions, after the first quarter, I was in a situation where, even though we were winning, I was like, I don't think we're going to win this game. Mm-hmm. It, it just, it it felt like that. But after the second quarter, things kind of started to get rolling. Uh, Vita Veya had his touchdown, which of course we'll talk about after Vita Veya scored, that's when I was like, all right, we're going to win.
1: Well that well, I, I thought, well, I mean once like obviously like you could like think that and like thoughts, but in reality, looking at the game, the Bucks were down 10 to seven at the end of the first quarter. yeah, but once they got the lead back and got it to 13 to 10, after that, the Falcons just had nothing.
0: Yeah, there was a lot. Of Good things on display and uh, like you said towards a certain point you kind of just knew that things were going to keep rolling and uh, you'd fix those early on mistakes that we saw from Jameis Winston and of course we'll break those down here today on the show. Let's open it up with the stats recap and the name I just mentioned Jameis Winston is the guy we're going to open things up with our quarterback Jameis Winston stats on the day 18 for 28 313 yards three touchdowns and two interceptions. Um, definitely not a performance. Ideal-wise, you'd want on a Jameis, especially in the first quarter. Um, he kind of came out, had that first pass of the game intercepted. Uh, the corner kind of undercut the route. And I think at that point, everybody in the stadium knew that that pass was going to try and go to Mike Evans, right? I think I think it was just... Way too predictable, the defense knew it, the Atlanta fans knew it, everybody on each sideline knew it, because of course Mike Evans needed 7 more yards coming into Sunday to break that record for 6 straight 1,000 yard seasons, joining Randy Moss as the only receiver in NFL history to do it, but I mean, it was a predictable interception, everybody kind of saw it, and uh, tough to shake off, but the defense went out there, held him to 3 points I believe, right?
1: Uh, well, actually, the the Falcons ended up with the ball first. Yes. Um, and the Falcons pretty much drove down with ease to about their own 10-yard line or so. But once they got inside the red zone, they just weren't able to capitalize on it, and the Bucks ended up holding them to three. Um, and then the turnover happened, and I, I don't believe the Falcons scored on that. Yeah,
0: I don't Um,
1: I, I'm not positive. No, I don't know. The, the, I know they didn't because— um, they they never went up ten
0: nothing so right yeah so okay in this situation spare me the uh, the in depth criticisms if I forget a few details here I was working a concert all weekend so even watching the game on Sunday I was watching in the VIP area with really really loud stages on both oh you're sides a VIP of me. huh yeah yeah I was supposed to be working but sat my ass in VIP to watch the <laughs> Buccaneers football so um I definitely made some sacrifices so if I spare. Any details, feel free to correct me, but don't give me too bad of a hard time over it. Because I was able to watch most of the game, I promise. I promise you. But uh, we're here talking with you about it, of course. So, yeah, Jameis had that. And then in the same quarter, he had the interception that was intended for Dare Ogunbowale. Kind of a bad throw. Couldn't entirely get his hand on it. Tipped it up. And the linebacker that was right there just ended up hanging on to it. Landed right in his lap. So those two early interceptions... I thought it set the tone, kind of like I said earlier. I was like, alright, well, it's going to be tough to bounce back from this one. Even if the defense plays well, Jameis is going to make mistakes. And after Sunday, Jameis showed me that he can win off the back of his defense, and games like this are exactly why I think he'll get a one-year deal as opposed to a multi-year deal. Because mm-hmm. you just it's just Fox Sports put up the thing. Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Like, they're There's no in-between with this guy. It's, you know, one game, you have four touchdowns, 300-plus yards, zero interceptions, maybe one. And you have days like today, well, Sunday, where he had three touchdowns, 300-plus yards, and two interceptions. Sometimes he'll throw more interceptions. You know, it's just consistency is something that is not his best friend. And sure... Maybe the Dario Gombauli interception wasn't a hundred percent on him. It wasn't that great of a throw.
1: Oh, it was. I mean, he threw a jump pass. Like, right. Was, I'm, I'm not sure if, if did you see like the actual throw?
0: Yes. Yeah. He was kind okay. of running to get away. The pocket had collapsed. He was running forward and just kind of jumped up and tossed it. But that all goes into decision making as well, because that was just bad decision making, I think, mm-hmm. on his part. That ball shouldn't have been thrown at least to where it was. He should have just thrown it away.
1: Yeah. Well, at this point, you say the word consistency. Um, I'm not sure if I'm going to be using that word with him that much more anymore. Just because I think people are finally starting to kind of realize now. Like, I think more fans, not all fans, but more fans, especially this season, have come around to the idea that he's not um, Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers. Right. He he is Brett Favre. Um, He's going to throw a ton of touchdowns, a ton of yards, but also he's going to throw a ton of interceptions.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, he threw two in this game, probably should have thrown three or four um, because there was a few other balls that should have been picked. Big thing for me was the Falcons, like I said, they drove down 3-0. Then after two plays, Winston throws a pick. That sets, that sets the Falcons up, I believe.
0: They're at um, their own 47.
1: Yeah, Falcons are at their own 47. <laughs> Uh, you know, five plays later, the Bucks defense forces a punt. And then five plays after that, James Winston fires a ball to Chris Godwin, which I don't know how he fit that ball in there. And yeah. those quarterbacks after an interception on the last drive, wouldn't even try that pass. He threads it in there. 71 yard touchdown. That was the very next drive after his first throw as a pick. That was the very next drive.
0: That seventy-one-yard touchdown pass, by the way, the longest touchdown pass <laughs> of Jameis Winston's career and the longest Chris touchdown Allen. reception of Chris Godwin's yeah. career. So Ooh, um, I mean,
1: we'll, we'll get into him, but I yeah, he is on—he's ridiculous.
0: Everybody's saying it, and you just got to leave it at that. Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde, because this guy's got both sides. When he can make things happen, he really makes them happen, and looks like an elite quarterback doing it. But then.
1: It. But then let me just let me just point out one more thing before we move on. All right. So the the Bucks force another punt. Yeah. The next drive was a pick. So it went the three drives for the Bucks went pick touchdown pick. That's how it happened. And if you take away that first quarter though, Jameis Winston played stellar. If if you if you take away that that first quarter, right. like I said, he probably should have thrown two or three more interceptions, but for a gunslinger like that. And I tweeted, I said, he's the definition of a gunslinger. Yep. Like, obviously, I'm not saying he's on the level of Brett Favre, because I think Brett Favre was one of the best quarterbacks like ever, right? I don't, I'm not saying that Winston's on that level. I'm saying the play style, that's how he is. That's just how he is. Brett Favre, I think he, Brett Favre had a year where he threw like 29 interceptions, right? Wouldn't surprise me. I don't think Winston's going to throw 29. but I don't think he's going to throw nine in the remaining games they have. Um, But, I mean, 23, 24, 25, maybe 26, it's not out of the the realm of, you know, possibility. And, I mean, he just, he's going to keep slinging it. That's just, I mean, you know, short-term memory, he he has it. Um, And, I mean, he's just going to keep firing it. And just because he throws an interception, he's not going to be scared.
0: Right. And I think you're on the right track. I totally do. I think it's unfair for people to expect Jameis Winston to be a guy to finish a season with less than 10 interceptions. because At at this point, I mean, I think
1: think even even less than 15. He's just
0: got that gunslinger mentality, and that's his play style. And if you want to compare him to somebody, Brett Favre is the first name that comes to mind. Um, he thinks
1: he, I, thinks he can fit any ball in
0: anywhere. It doesn't matter. Right. I, I think with Jameis and his play style, the interceptions are just something that comes with the territory. Now, what Bruce has kind of working for him or what he's trying to do next season is obviously tone down the interceptions because 25-plus yeah. interceptions a season is just not acceptable from anybody. Mm-hmm. I mean, the last guy to do it was Eli Manning a few years oh. ago. Yeah. But – you want to tone those down, but I think he's still going to be that guy where he's going to throw 10 plus interceptions every single year. And that's just, that's his play style. Just like you said, he's going to wedge it into places where he thinks he can get it. Sometimes he can, sometimes he can't. And of course we saw that on display Sunday, but aside from the two interceptions, pretty good game from Jameis Winston. And, uh, you just kind of have to hope that he can get a little better with his decision, uh, decision-making moving forward. But of course it's hard to say at year five, but, uh,
1: Well, yeah, I I think people had a a valid thing to say. Like when he came in the league, okay, you know, let's see if you have a Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers. Let's see if you can work the turnover bug out of you. At this point, there's just there's no evidence that any turnover bug is going to go away. He has, he's gotten better on the fumbles, which I think is partly a reason why he wears the glove. Um, I think that's a big reason why he wears the glove now is to help with fumbles, and it has, um, it has helped.
0: Um, so but, yeah, like a bad and, snap to the face every now and again.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, um, <laughs> but I mean, yeah, it's just, just like you said, it's, you can't expect, I, like I said, I even think if you expect him to throw less than 15, um, I think this is a guy who's going to throw 15 to 20 interceptions every season, but he's also going to throw 25, 25 to plus 30, 30. Yeah. I yeah. mean, Brett, Brett Favre in the season I was talking about was 2004. Brett Favre through, Oh, actually, sorry. 2005. Brett Favre threw, um, he played in all all 16 games and he threw 3,881 yards, 20 touchdowns and 29 interceptions. Um, so obviously Winston is, uh, you know, I, I think he's on pace for obviously more than, than 20 touchdowns. And I believe Winston already has more than 3,881 yards or something close to that. Yeah. Um, because I mean, like I said, just going to keep throwing for a ton of yards and, I just as as my my call to fans is don't don't sit there and expect him to just play this clean game because it's just it's not going
0: to happen. Right. So that's what Jameis Winston put on display for us Sunday against Atlanta. Let's move on with our stats recap and go over a couple more impressive stat lines before we break down more of this game. Chris Godwin. Oh, my God. Goodness. Seven receptions, 184 yards and two touchdowns. Did you win your fantasy matchup this week?
1: Uh, I think I did. And uh I, Chris I hope Godwin, you did. Cuz I have Chris Godwin and yeah. it was actually a little giveth and taketh because I also had Julio Jones. Ooh. So they were my two receivers. So Julio Jones ended up with 11 points. Chris Godwin, guess how many he had? Just guess. Oh god,
0: 34.
1: 37, pretty close. Uh yeah, you ended up with 37 points. Um yeah, I mean this dude. He's he's the number one wide receiver on, I mean most teams in the league. Um, yeah. Obviously, there's a few like the Saints, probably not the the Texans, probably not, probably even the Falcons, probably not. Um, just because there, there's a, there's a few teams, but there might be maybe that's only three, four, maybe five teams that he's not the number one wide receiver on.
0: Yeah. But that was a big thing coming into this season was, can Chris Godwin kind of take a step and, no, not be a number one receiver for the box, but can he take a step and show that he is that elite wide receiver that we have seen signs of these past few seasons? Because I think he and We've known he's talented. And, I mean, the hype around him has been real ever since that game-winning touchdown against New Orleans a few years ago. Um, but this season has really just showed that, just like you said, he can be a number one wide receiver on Give or take a few teams, any team in the NFL, he really has that talent. And for him, not only this game to put up the big stat line that he did, but this game to put him over 1,000 receiving yards in a season for the first time mm-hmm. in his career with five games left, I feel pretty good about the numbers that he's going to finish with. So him yeah. and Mike Evans both Oof. hit the 1,000-yard mark in the same game. That's the best wide receiver do in the NFL, and I'm not going to hear any otherwise.
1: Uh, I would probably agree with you. Yeah, I mean, when when you have two thousand yard receivers, it's tough to argue. Um, the last so, guys to do
0: that for the Bucks, by the way, Mike Evans and Vincent Jackson in two thousand and fourteen.
1: Yep, I remember. And, and but they they had to get both of them. They had to get both of their thousand yards the last game of the season. Yeah, that they they literally happened the last game of the season. Chris Godwin and Mike Evans got it in week 12. So, um, you know, there's, there's a difference there. Um, just to put things into perspective of just how good Chris Godwin is. So, I, I, you know, obviously, no, I follow a lot of Penn State football. And I watch a lot of Penn State football. And I've watched Chris Godwin since he was came on the scene at Penn State. And I knew that this kid was going to be good. I said when, when the Bucs drafted him, I said I they drafted O. J. Howard also and Justin Evans, but they drafted Chris Godwin in the third round and I said I said that's gonna be their best pick. It just is. Like yeah. Chris Godwin will be their best pick. I didn't think he was gonna be this good. Like <laughs> I really. Like I yeah. thought he was gonna be really good, like just a just a good number two wide receiver that if he got overpaid by a team, you know, sometimes we see number two wide receivers struggle to be number ones. I don't think this guy would have any trouble being a number one wide receiver.
0: Absolutely not. He has got the skill set and the talent, and we see it on display week in and week out, especially this season. Uh, because even the beginning of the season, we kind of talked about how Chris Godwin was outperforming Mike Evans in a way. I mean, Evans was in that little bit of a slump, mm-hmm. and uh, Chris Godwin really stepped up and showed how valued he can be well, on Sunday. And also, offense. Evans
1: didn't have the strongest game on Sunday either. So
0: Yeah, he definitely didn't. He was able to get to his 1,000-yard mark, but Chris Godwin definitely outperformed him at least this Sunday. But the fact that you do have 2,000-yard wide receivers and Mike Evans, although he didn't perform as well as we would have wanted him to this past Sunday, I, I'm still confident he's the best wide receiver oh, okay. in the NFL, and Chris Godwin is not Ooh. far behind. I don't
1: know. you remember the beginning of the
0: season I said that Mike Evans is the top three wide receiver and you like yeah. did not agree with me whatsoever?
1: I, I know. it just, man, there's a lot of good wide receivers in the league, man. Oh, yeah. I don't know.
0: It, the wide know. receiver today is just such a different animal than anything we've ever seen before. Like, it's so There's hard so to compare. There's so many good ones. It's so hard to compare all the guys today to someone like Randy Moss, you know what I mean, Jerry Rice. It's just such a different game of football, and the way that these guys can adapt and play, you see so many different styles of receivers now. You know, it's hard to compare Mike Evans to a DeAndre Hopkins because they're just not the same type of receiver, yeah. but they're productive nonetheless. And uh, I think Mike Evans... Still think he's top three, but in my book, he's number one. There's nobody better. I, mean, uh, I it don't know, it man.
1: Is. I I do think Chris Godwin's creeping into that top ten receiver. So um, that would oh, mean that the Bucks have two top ten wide receivers. No and probably I, you know, I think
0: I think Mike Evans is a top five wide receiver. I don't know about number one. Oh man. If you guys have an opinion on where Mike Evans and Chris Godwin stand in the NFL rank wise, leave your opinions in the comments down below you're watching on youtube if not send us a message CanonfirePodcast at gmail.com or you can check us out anywhere on social media send us a message there facebook instagram and twitter at Cannon Fire Podcast.
1: shameless but, plug
0: there yeah why not why not let's move on and finish up our stats recap another big stat line for the day the entire buccaneers defense six sacks one interception two forced fumbles one of them was a scoop and score by indomica sue I mean, what else could you ask for? We said going into the game preview that this game is going to come down to which defense plays better, and uh, clearly it was the Bucks, and we saw what can happen when they play big boy football four quarters out of four quarters. It was a great day for them.
1: Yeah. Um. So this Bucks secondary, would you say that they probably had their best game on Sunday? Yes. Okay. So I'm going to bring up a little argument we had. I believe it was last week, um, where you asked, you know, what would you rather have, a 10-sack guy or a lockdown corner? Do you consider any of the Bucks' secondary lockdown corners? No, absolutely not. How many sacks did the Buccaneers have on Sunday? They had six. How much pressure did they have constantly? Oh, tons. Okay. I think there might be some correlation there.
0: No, I, um, I see what you mean. Matt, Matt, I mean... Ryan,
1: Matt Ryan's interception? He tries to step up in the pocket, takes a shot as he launches the deep ball, and it's picked off. I mean, you know, the only complaint about the defense that you could have is that they had, uh, what, one interception, and they probably should have had four. Right. Because they must have maybe dropped three or four, two pick sixes. You know With Carlton Davis and and Levante David.
0: And I want to see if there's, like, actually a stat line, because it seems like that's the story of this defense's year, is (laughs) – interceptions, pick sixes at that that have just been dropped or couldn't hang on to it. Like, I want to see because I feel like we see one of those all the time. And I feel like it's five-plus this year in particular. Like, it's yeah. just – it happens way too much. Now, let me get your opinion on something
1: before okay. we move on and start to get into a little bit more of just the overall game. Yes. Who Who do you think was, was the best player on the, on the defensive side of the ball on Sunday?
0: Um. Honestly, on the defensive side of the ball, I think Devin White had himself one hell of a day.
1: Yeah, that's that's what I was saying. Okay, um,
0: all right, yeah, yeah,
1: Devin White. Uh, I mean, when he shot through some of them them gaps for those blitzes, uh, that really that was that was impressive.
0: Yeah,
1: um, he had a heck of a heck of a day, um, and also a little quick kudos here. While well, I have the tweet up from Greg Allman because remember. I said that football is one of the trenches. Yes. So Greg Allman, Bucks offensive line, did not give up a sack. First time that's happened since week one in 2018. Just a second time in the last 48 games. Defense came up with six sacks. They're most in any game more than two years. Together, it's a good formula for a win. I'm telling you, if both lines end up performing well, obviously James Winston could ruin it if he throws seven interceptions. But... As far as the secondary goes, the secondary will be better, Jameis Winston will be better, the run game will be better, and the Bucs will win more football games. It's just simple.
0: I'm with you 100%. I think, kind of going back to what you had said, the argument brought up of whether you'd have a shutdown corner or you'd rather have a 10-plus sack pass rusher, I I think it does make a lot of sense. And I think as far as this week, you won the argument because once that pass rush is there, it makes it so much easier on those guys in the backfield, and that's what we were counting on—was those and Atlanta has guys. weapons. Yeah. Weapons. Oh yeah, they do. They have a dirt cutter offense, which wow. you know we've seen it before, can really, really outperform. I mean, look at this Falcons offense in general. They these past two weeks, they outscored the Panthers and the Saints fifty-five to twelve. Didn't allow
1: had, a touchdown in 10 quarters.
0: Exactly. I did not expect them to only put up 22 points. And keep in mind, wow. that one touchdown was a garbage-time touchdown from Matt Schaub. I mean, th- to be fair, the Bucks held them to 16, you know? Yeah. And they did a really, really good job. And I, I think a lot of that can be owed to that front seven pass rush that really did show up. But I, when I think of taking a corner, I still think about those games like New Orleans where the pass rush is just non-existent. You know what I mean? And that, well,
1: that's on the pass rush then. It,
0: like, it, no, it is. I get you.
1: I'm just saying I mean, it It doesn't help. Like, it doesn't help a young secondary. That, that game on Sunday was perfect help for the young secondary. And guess what? All of them looked good.
0: Yeah. Yeah, they did. And I think it's exactly what they needed. Jamel Dean went out there, looked really, really good. And I think Sean Murphy Bunting had a pretty solid game as well. Um, did you happen to hear anything else about his injury before I go over this last stat line?
1: Um, Greg Allman had said he saw him in the locker room. He was walking around pretty okay, so he doesn't think it's anything serious.
0: Okay. Hopefully he can come back and play. Big game this week as these guys go to Jacksonville and take on the Jaguars. That'll be an interesting game to watch. But let's go over one more stat line from Sunday, and then we'll break down a little bit more from this game. This one. The big man. Number 50. Vita Veya. Tampa Bay's own Swiss Army Knife. Two pass deflections. The offensive weapon. Right? Yeah. He's done more for this offense than Dare Ogunbowale.
1: Mmm. Well, I should look. a quick shout out to Dare. He got, uh, now he doesn't have negative rush yards on the year.
0: Oh, Because he had, that,
1: he had that draw for a game of, like, 12. So, now he does not
0: have negative rush yards on the year. Good for him. But Vita Vea, two pass deflections, one sack, and one receiving touchdown. Also, making history as the heaviest player in NFL history to catch a touchdown... This guy can do it all. And, uh, man, that was so much fun watching Vita Veya get a touchdown. Like that, that, that was, was awesome.
1: Funny. That was funny. We,
0: we heard a few weeks ago the Buccaneers lined him up on offense against Arizona. He played as a blocker and laid out a pretty awesome block, by the way. And after the game, Bruce Arians is like, yeah, maybe we'll throw him in their offense every now and again. Uh, maybe we'll try and toss him a touchdown. Well, that's exactly what happened. He lined up as the fullback out of the eye. From the goal line, everybody dropped back, ran their route, and Vita Vea just snuck right to the right side of the end zone. Nobody blocked him either. Nobody covered him, and it was wide open. Jameis threw him a dime. He caught a touchdown. It was a lot of fun to see, but a uh, big day for Vita Vea, and that guy just continues to get better, and uh, I feel more and more secure about his pick as a Buccaneer every single week. He's just hes a damn good player.
1: How many offensive touchdowns has Derwin James caught?
0: Exactly. Exactly. Vita Veya doing things offense and defensive side of the ball. But uh, great day for him. And that'll wrap up our stats recap. So after the game on Sunday, you sent me a text. And you said, I don't think you're going to be too happy with me on Monday's show. Well, we're doing Monday's show. And so far, we've had a great time talking about this Bucks win. But I want to get into what you had texted me about because, uh, I don't know, spill the beans. Okay.
1: So, okay, I understand morale victories. And it's a young team, right? So, of course, you need to learn how to win in order to win, right? I agree with that. I'm pretty sure you agree with that. Yes. Um, like, you need to find – in order to win, you got to find different ways to win. Sometimes it'll be ugly, you know, sort of like the Carolina game week two. Sometimes it'll be a, you know, a, like I said, ugly, low-scoring game, Carolina. You know, high-scoring, thrilling game, you know, L.A. Um, a comeback game, Arizona. And then a game just, you know, sort of utter domination, which is, you know, what happened on Sunday. But how much does this win do for the team, Getting to three and seven from three and seven to four and seven because, and it actually surprised me because I didn't think it was going to have this much of an impact. The Bucks just went from the seventh overall pick to the twelfth overall pick. That's a huge jump. Like and, and I and I personally some of the teams that are in front of the Bucs I think are like the Chargers are in front of the Bucs. I think the Chargers are gonna end up winning a few more games than the Bucs will, so like the Bucs will end up like I don't think they're gonna end up at twelve. Um, so I think the Bucs will be ahead of them. But I'm just saying it's just small things like that. You know? It, you know, we we love Vita Vey and everything. If the Bucks don't win that last New Orleans game, which I'm I'm not really complaining about that. I'm just pointing it out. If they don't win that last New Orleans game, they end up with Quinton Nelson instead of Vita Vea. Quinton Nelson is pro- arguably one of the best guards of football um, already, and it's just I, I don't know the the draft position thing really gets me because now you're you're talking instead of getting a guy like Andrew Thomas or Tristan Wurst along the offensive line, now you're talking about maybe reaching for a guy like Jedrick Willis um, from Alabama, offensive tackle, Alex Leatherwood from uh, Alabama, another offensive tackle, um, Derek Brown, who I like a ton from uh, Auburn, a defensive lineman. I don't think he's going to be there. Um, so like I said, I don't think they're going to stay at 12, so I'm not really going to harp on that too much. But my biggest thing, I don't want this win to go to too many people's heads and think like, Oh my God, like everything's fixed. You know, this, this, this Falcons team was really good the past two weeks, right? They beat the saints in convincing fashion. They beat the Panthers in convincing fashion. And while the Buccaneers did play very good, let's not forget before that saints and Falcons game, the Falcons, I mean, saints and Panthers game. Falcons were one and seven. They were a one and seven football team. They had one win. No, I, I and, don't... I mean, I just don't know. Like, this Atlanta team's not good. Like, they're not. Like, the Bucks probably, like, right now, the Bucs are probably the better football team. I'm not just saying that because they won. I I thought that going in, I was like, the Bucks are better, but at, it's in Atlanta. The Bucks have always had trouble stopping Julio Jones. I just figured, you know, I think Atlanta's going to take it. But I just don't want Buck fans to sort of forget that, and I think I've been seeing it all over the place. Like a lot of people are like, "Oh yeah, here we go." I like, guess is gonna. I just think they're just really setting themselves up, man, because th- this team ain't going nine 7 or eight and eight, or even seven and nine. Like just like pump the brakes just a little bit. It's a nice. You don't win. think this
0: team? It, you don't think this team has a chance to finish seven and nine?
1: I okay. So let's look at their schedule. They have the Jaguars next, yep. right? I think that's a possible win. I'm I'm, I'm undecided on what it's going to be, but I think they could beat the Jaguars, okay? So let's say I give them a win there, okay? Let's say they're down at five versus the Colts. I don't think they're going to be able to beat the Colts. That's a loss. That's five and eight. Lions, will they have Stafford back? Won't they? I probably not. So I'll give them a win. Fine. Six. Texans, I think that's a dangerous game. Um, I think the Texans are a really good football team. And uh, that game, I think the secondary might struggle because Will Fuller and DeAndre Hopkins going up against the young secondary is not too good. So let's say that's a loss, right? Would you agree with it so far?
0: I think so. I think the Jags game is – is very winnable, so let's say. Uh, know, I, think, I win. think both. I think
1: both games, the games against both games, I have them winning. Games against the Jags and game against the Lions, I could see them winning or losing. Like I really do. I,
0: I look at the Colts game as I looked at the Atlanta game, as we both looked at the Atlanta game. It's going to come down to which offense can play or uh, <coughs> which defense can play better. Now, obviously, Quentin Nelson and the Saints or uh, the Colts offensive line is. Probably one of the best units in the NFL, so that's going to be a struggle for the pass rush. That's what I'm looking at. And of Mm -hmm. course, if the pass rush plays well, the secondary plays better. Yada yada yada. But I still think that's a winnable game. I don't want to just chalk that up as an L right away. I think I'm not saying I'm not saying it's not
1: a winnable game. I'm just saying I don't think it wins likely. Like like you can't sit there and tell me it wins likely against that team. The Colts are a solid football team. Yeah. Would you say the the Bucks are a solid football team? No. Okay, so then we go to the last game versus Atlanta, which I think that's another coin flip. But also, it's tough to sweep your division opponents, right? I think we all know that. Obviously, the Saints did it to the Bucks this year. But, like, it, it's tough to, to sweep division opponents. Um, like I said, the Bucks have lost five straight to the Falcons, so it wasn't too tough for the Falcons. But um, in this case, you know, I'd probably give the Falcons Falcons a win. That's 6-10. But like I said, that Jaguars and Lions game I think could go either way. I think the Lions actually have a pretty underrated roster. It's just right now the loss of Matthew Stafford is just killing them. So um, at most I see six wins. Uh, oh I, I just I'm, I'm, I, I hate I hate to be that way on like a Monday show after a win. But just just looking, I just don't see – like, there's just too many coin flips. And especially if they lose to Jacksonville, like, then I definitely don't see seven wins.
0: So going it, back to what you had said about the whole draft thing, right? Yep. You, you don't yep. know how much this win is going to help the team going from three and seven to four and seven, dropping out of the first top ten pick of the draft. Mm. I do not care will I ever support losing four draft position. I know the – I know the pros and cons of it. I, know I mean, I'm, I'm not a, saying that. I, I know you want a better draft pick, but I, I want this team to win every single week. And I know you do as well. Don't get me wrong. I know you're not one of those people who's like, we should tank for a better draft position because those people are idiots and they shouldn't be supporting the team if that's the way that they feel. But I, I, I just think a win like this, it, you know, it is too little too late. I'm sure that's the approach you're going mm, with it. Exactly. But I, yes. I, I just can't like, I, I think I'll take wins any way I can get them. I think this team still has a solid chance at finishing 7-9, and 8-8, eight and eight, because if they can just get the ball rolling, dude, I'd much rather see that than see them win one, lose one, win one, I don't one. know, as, man. As always. Like,
1: would you rather them be able to really get a, a difference maker? Like I, I'm i not saying I they can't I think you have a as good of maker. a
0: chance as getting a difference maker between the 10th and the 20th pick as you do in the top 10 picks. I, I think I you can get a difference that. maker anywhere in the first round. Obviously, you have to pick that. the right guy.
1: Yeah. well, We'll we'll see if they actually can. Um, but I mean, I don't know, man. Like, let's say let's say they run the table, go nine and seven, right? <laughs> they don't. They're not gonna. They're not gonna make the playoffs at nine and seven. So they're out of that. Okay. So they don't make the playoffs. And now you're stuck with the eighteenth, nineteenth pick. Like, this roster isn't where it needs to be right now. And I just don't know that to me there is a big difference between the eighteenth pick and the eighth pick. That there's a big difference. Um, the eighth pick can get you a guy like Tristan Wirfs, right tackle from Iowa. You can get you that guy. Right? That, that guy can be your, your right tackle for ten years. Eighteenth pick, you're probably reaching for an offensive lineman. Now, I'm not saying they can't get a talented player, and that's ultimately that's Jason Light's job, right? To wherever you're picking, whether it's the first round, you know, seventh round, whatever, to find a good player. So I'm not saying that, oh, my God, since they're out of the top ten, they're going to, you know, get a crappy player. I'm not saying that at all. what I'm saying is, to me, if you're looking for an immediate difference maker and a guy with star potential, your best bet is a top ten pick. And I just don't know what a win in late November against a lowly Falcons team really does for this team. I get you. That's all I'm saying. I get you. I'm not, I'm not saying that it's not good because, trust me, it makes everything we do much easier if they win, right? We don't have to hear other fans complain to us. We don't have to sit here and sort of make excuses almost and stuff like that. It's much easier, right? Um, but at the same time, this, you know, if it happened in week eight, it'd be a different reaction. But just like you said, like, just too little too late right now. And I mean, I, I don't know.
0: Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, I mean, I'm with you. I see your point, but. Like I said, they played well, and I'll give them credit. Like, they yeah. played well, but right.
1: just don't know. I'm not saying they should have said, oh, my God, we had the lead. We got to lose. I'm not saying that at all. Um, but I'm just saying this just don't know how much it actually benefits them. And I know I'll probably get a ton of hate for that, but whatever.
0: No, I, I, I get your angle. But, again, where you and I differ is I'm going to take a win over a lowly Falcons team in late November nine times out of ten. Um, because I, I just – again, I don't think about the draft until after the season is over and we are dead set on position. You feel me? Like I just don't, mm-hmm. I don't worry yeah. about going up or down. I worry about week by week, game by game. But again, that's where, well, we like I her. said, you bring up a solid point. Don't get me wrong. I'm not dismissing you or dis- not disagreeing with you. But um, you you know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Well. Um, and and the thing, the silver lining is, I think like I looked, I I took a took a look at like the like front like four. Like the people like, you know, four or five spots ahead of the Bucks. Right. And I took a look at each one of their schedules. And they each one of them have a lot of winnable games. Um that even if the Bucks think like the Bucs don't have to go winless. Like even if the Bucs have a win or two or three, they still should probably move up from twelve. Um so like like I said, the Chargers, like the Chargers have a few winnable games, the Jaguars have a few winnable games, um, the Lions have a few winnable games. They're all ahead of the Bucks. So, if all them guys win, and the Bucks maybe win one or two more, but all them guys win, like, two or three more, then the Bucs are sitting at nine. and That's much better. Right. Um, but, like I said, it's just, I know, like, sure, and I'm, like I said, I'm all for, like, players shouldn't tank, right? Some front offices should tank, like, the Dolphins. I, res- I like what they're doing. Yeah. Um, like, <laughs> at, that, at, that, at that point, I like what they're doing but the bucks aren't there right now. The dolphins were stuck in mediocrity. The bucks just aren't good. They're just trying to right?
0: claw their way out and they've shown signs but they're not entirely there you yet. Know, and I and I have first-hand experience from that
1: being a Sixers fan. The Sixers <laughs> before before they started tanking were a mediocre team. When they they missed the playoffs, they barely missed the playoffs. When they made the playoffs, they were out in the first round. So you know what they did? They said, "Hey, like we're done with that. We're either gonna we're gonna suck for a long time, but then when it's over, we're gonna be really good." And right now, I'm reaping the benefits of really good, really good man, and it feels good. I'm not saying the Bucks should tank. I'm just saying Dolphins fans, like I know like what you're going through, and if they get it right, it's gonna feel really good in about three, four
0: years. Yeah. Bottom line is I'm going to take a win nine times out of ten, and again, that's where we disagree, but it's all good. We embrace debate here on the Cannon Fire Podcast. I'm sure you guys have your opinions as well, so like I said earlier, sound off in the comments section below. We talked about the defensive success on Sunday. Let's talk about some of the things that went well on offense. First off, we have to give props to the offensive line. I mean, the Bucks' offensive line was on point Sunday. They gave up zero sacks. That's right, zero sacks. And one quarterback hit. It's their best game of the season. I mean, you know, yeah. best game like, of the season like said, protecting Jameis. First As- time they didn't allow a sack since last year. From yeah. Kwan, so. Aside from the two interceptions, of course... We see exactly what Jameis can do with an O-line that blocks and a defense that's playing well. But, yeah, a great day for that offensive line. They did a really, really good job. And I think, you know, kind of looking at the run game and the way that they set up the run blocks, it was pretty good as well. I think both running backs got a decent amount of production out of them. Mm -hmm. Of course, I'd like to see Ronald Jones get some more carries than Peyton Barber, but we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, But let's focus on this offensive line. Great day for them, man.
1: Yeah. Um... Also, there's a lot of quick hitters in the Bucks passing offense. That's where I'm gonna give a quick shout out. You know who I thought had a good day? Who's that? Byron Leftwich. Yeah. I thought Byron Leftwich had a really good day. I, oh, yeah. I liked I liked the game plan. It was super balanced. I believe they ran the ball thirty times and threw it twenty eight times. Yep. Like that's how balanced it was. Um I, I love that game plan that they came in with. Uh, they were finally working to Winston down the seams instead of, you know, sideline and stuff. Yep. Right down the middle to Godwin on those two, you know. And that's and where they two were two most plays.
0: productive, by the way, was right over the middle because well, that that's was secondary. Most productive. Yeah. yeah. They just I could mean, not keep up.
1: Yeah, I mean, they couldn't cover Chris Godwin to save their lives. Um, they, they just had no answer. And, I mean, you know, they keep OJ in as a blocker, blocker, blocker. All of a sudden, you know, you get down there and they throw a screen to him. I love that, right? Um, that That's, you know, OJ gains 12 yards. Um, the Vita Fea call, right? Um, I mean, it's Byron Leftwich and Bruce Arians calling that, of course, but still. Um, great play call. Uh, you know, they, they clearly caught something. And, uh, you know, if... I'm sure Winston was told, if you see this one thing, check out of it and go to a run probably. Yeah. Right? If, if you see – and Vita was probably told, like, hey, if he checks out, this is what he's going to say, and this is what it means, and just do this. Well, that's, so, that's like,
0: exactly what he said actually in his post-game interview was uh, they had asked him about his touchdown, and he's like, all right. So we went into the huddle. We were going over the play call, and there was one point where Jameis kind of looked at him and said, all right, Vita, are you ready? And uh, they, they kind of knew that play in particular that they were going to Vita Vea, and I'm glad he was able to haul it in, because um, it made for a pretty exciting moment. But yeah, a that clean was, catch. Oh yeah, oh yeah. But that was actually the next point that I was going to roll into was the balance of offensive play calling, and you know we didn't see them get conservative or yep. too conservative at any point in the game, and that's they, exactly they, what they you want They got conservative see. when they needed to be. Right. And, uh, of course, we'll talk about that here in a second. But, again, just like you said, after running the ball a measly eight times last week, the Bucks made sure that that wasn't going to happen again. They ran the ball 30-plus times on Sunday, and then they passed 28 times. Now, with the defense doing work, it's easy to say that we didn't need a super potent run attack on the ground. Um, but balance was still necessary, and it was damn sure appreciated. But going back to what I mentioned earlier, I will say... I'm just not a fan of Peyton Barber and Ronald Jones splitting carries the way that they have been. 12 carries for 51 yards and a touchdown for Ronald Jones. 11 carries for 32 yards for Peyton Barber. Rojo is the type of running back. He is much more effective throughout the game. He's just more explosive, more productive. He's going to get you more. He's averaging about 5 yards per carry. Peyton Barber shines in the last 10 minutes of the game when you need to chew clock and win the game. And we saw him used in that fashion on Sunday. But we also saw him get some handoffs that I just didn't, like, I, I just, I don't like seeing them split carries throughout the game. It, you give Rojo 20 carries a game, especially on Sunday, he finished for, what, 12 carries for 51 yards? Give him 20 yep. carries. I guarantee you one of those is going to break, and he's going to finish with over 100 yards on the ground. Peyton well, he Barber, should have broke one. Yeah. Peyton Barber can come in at the end and clean it up because that's what he's good at. I don't hate Peyton Barber as a running back. I hate the way that he's used and the way that sometimes it'll come in and it'll throw off the offensive mojo. But other than that, the balanced play calling on offense was greatly appreciated. And just like you said, great day for Byron Leftwich. Yeah.
1: Well, Arian said his press comment today, and he said, like, speaking of, like, breaking one. And I actually thought it too, and I wish that I could find the clip. um, But I, I can't right now. Arian, because I know exactly what he's talking about. I was thinking the same exact thing. This is a quote from from Pewter Report's Twitter account. Arian said, "Feels Ronald Jones is close to popping a long run. Oh, yeah. Thinks he may have gone 97 yards on a play that was blown dead due to a false start." I know exactly where that was.
0: Um, oh yeah, they the the offensive line opened the lane perfectly. I know exactly what you're
1: talking about. The defender went down, and Jones sidestepped him, and I saw. Yep. There was two linebackers that came down too far, and if Jones would have been able to hit a burst of speed, I didn't know of 97 yards, because obviously I can't see all the way down the field, but I thought it was going to be a 15, 20-yard run, and I saw it, I was like, oh, man, I was like, he, I was like, that was close, Yeah. I was like, if that doesn't jump offside, that's a big play, Um but also, yeah, he's kind of gotten screwed. <laughs> because, you know, the Rams game, he had two long runs called back. Yep. Uh, this game, you know, false start, which obviously we don't know if it actually would have been a 97-yard touchdown. But, um, you know, he's just – every long run it seems he has, like something else happens. I'm surprised on the one long one he had, like the 30-yarder or something. Um, I forget what draw- – I think that was on the um, –
0: it was I think it was on the drive a touchdown drive right
1: yeah I think that was on yeah that was on the one where he scored I think yeah um, let me see uh, see if I can find it here um mm, guess not uh yeah can't find it whatever uh yeah but it was a, it was a long it was a pretty long touchdown uh drive there and it was capped off because he broke a play and just really had a nice run yeah. and speaking of nice runs James Winston had a twenty five yard run where he, he, oh, he also dude. he did he did a great job of choosing when to run, but he had a twenty five yard run and he like dude, he, was he got by everybody. the one defender and then he like sidestepped the other one. Yeah. It was really nice. Like I keep every now and then, like I keep thinking like, hey, he's gonna go for a touchdown one of these times.
0: He, I mean, that guy needs to, because yeah, running isn't his uh isn't his fast set, but dude, when he runs, like he can get away from people. And he, I think he's got more runs for, like, 20-plus yards this season than Ronald Jones or Peyton Barber.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, it was – not sure. Let me check the stats really fast because even though the Bucks ran the ball quite effectively and it was pretty good, um, I just want to check something because I don't want to be wrong, so I want to make sure um, – Nope, okay. So, yeah, Peyton Barber, 11 attempts, 32 yards. Ronald Jones, 12 attempts, 51 yards. I originally thought that um, James Winston was the leading rusher again, but he had eight, eight rushes for 38 yards, so...
0: Still a good day. I, I mean. Oh yeah. I mean,
1: that, that's. What, <laughs> I think he's most effective then too, because that's when you know he's in it. he's feeling it. He's yeah. in a rhythm. He starts moving his feet, start making people miss, and that's just another asset to his game that people still really don't account for. I, I know he's not Lamar Jackson, so you're not going to game plan for that really. But if you give him space, he can run, and he has decent speed.
0: Oh yeah, and, and his his skill is just like you said, he's got decent speed. Again, he's not Lamar Jackson, but, dude, he can just get away from people. I mean, we've seen it for years. He's the most sacked quarterback in the NFL right now. I'm pretty sure even after getting sacked zero times this Sunday, he's still the most sacked think quarterback. fourth.
1: I think he's fourth now.
0: Oh, thank God. I but think. <laughs> either way, he's so good at just getting away from people. He has such good awareness of who's coming from where, what time they're going to get there, and how he can just simply get away from that. And we see it on display, especially when he takes off and runs. Because that one run that you talked about, dude, it was beautiful. He looked like a freaking Madden character out there. It was incredible. But uh, but yes, all a day for Jameis running the ball, and uh, hopefully Ronald Jones can get some more carries moving forward. You never really know, but I think he's gonna break one before he's now going to. At the end of the season. I, I think he'll have one, and uh, he'll be the first thing they talk about on Good Morning Football one of these days. Now. We've talked about all the good things about this game. Let's talk about one of the bad things of this game. And it's something that we haven't had any complaints about for okay. quite some time. But it was Matt Gay. There was one piece of the Bucks team that did not look like its normal self, and that was kicker Matt Gay. Up until Sunday, Matt was having the best season of any Bucks kicker in quite some time. Uh, but in Atlanta, he just seemed to struggle, and it was kind of weird. Uh, two missed PATs and a blocked field goal, if I remember correctly. It was it was a
1: blocked it was a blocked PAT actually.
0: Okay, all right, blocked PAT, but it was just a day that he's gonna want to forget. Like it, it was not a good day for him, and now the narrative going forward is how can he bounce back? Because the last time he had a day that he wanted to forget, he bounced back and had Big an time. awesome stretch. So I'm yep. confident that he can you know, build that confidence up once again, but not a good day for him in Atlanta.
1: No. It, what was weird was that the two ones that he actually missed, they were in like the same spot. He missed them. He hooked it to the left, which is weird. Because I, it, it was like, like, I don't know. Do it, it's in a, in a dome. A like That's Ooh, the weird right. thing.
0: Yeah, he was in a dome, missing kicks. But do you think he's like anticipating for wind too much? I mean, but you're in a dome, right? But
1: still. Like, as an NFL kicker, you gotta realize training to win, buddy. Right, right. I if, mean, if
0: if there is, then that's the Falcons, and that's cheating. So, well, you remember a few years ago they were piping noise. Yeah, their the stadium? music.
1: Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, <laughs> and maybe they were blowing a little bit of wind towards Matt Gay's kicks. Um, but also the block kick. Cameron Blake, I watched it like three or four times. Cameron Blake, just ignores his his assignment, um, and he just picks up the wrong guy, and the dude just blows by um, him. So no chance on that one. Yep. Great hustle play by Bo Allen um, to be able to save it because it would have been a two point conversion. Yeah, it, it was. Um, I mean, I thought so he since was gone. since Allen since Allen was able to tackle him, the Bucks ended up having you know kick off. And the Falcons start at a twenty-five rather than two points to the Falcons. Bucks have to sort of kick off like that weird kickoff, I believe, after a after like a safety, right? Um, and then the Falcons have decent field position, so that might have even change the game like that too. Like that's a big play, but you know, I tweeted out, and I think you oh, might have. I know exactly. You, what you tweeted quoted my tweet. Yeah, you, I, I believe you quoted it. I, I believe um, <laughs> so. Uh, I'm just gonna, you know, I'm just gonna bring it here. Matt Gay with two missed extra points. That was before the the blocked one. Yep. I said, you know how this ends. Bucks lose by one or two. Because in the past, I mean, how many times have we seen it, right? How many times have we seen a kicker just missing kicks and it ends up coming? All NFL games, most games are going to be closing down to the wire.
0: Oh yeah. For for a long time, I know games last season there were three, four, maybe even five games where the common narrative was. The kicker leaving points on the board. Look at the Atlanta game last year with the crazy last minute play. It would have been a totally different situation had the kicker we had at the time, I don't remember his name, Chandler Catanzaro not left points on the board.
1: Yeah, um so and I tweeted out after the block kick. I don't blame Matt Gay, but I said three points left on the board. That's big. Because that is, and, and you know, and at the time the game was not done, like the the game was not over, right? Uh, and and that was big because you know they put those three points on the board, and I mean you're talking about a game that's over even before it actually was, um, so I mean it's just the small things like that. But I agree with you. I think I wouldn't worry too much about Matt Gay. I think he's gonna be fine. I think he's a good kicker. Let's not forget that he made a kick to get them to twenty eight, right? Um, and then uh, I believe he also made the extra point when they scored a touchdown. I believe so. Um, so he made he ended the day with a, with a made field goal and a and a made extra point. Um, so, so what
0: two for five on the day?
1: he well he, he made the first extra point um and then um yeah he he made he made the first extra point but it like barely squeaked through it went to the left and it like barely squeaked through yeah and then he missed the next two and then the, the other one was blocked and then he made the field goal and then made the extra point so on the total kicks he was what? what's that 3, three for, for 6, six. yeah it's 3 all 50%. for 6 I mean, that, and that's terrible for a kicker, but it's just one game. And like I said, I, I, I would expect him to bounce back. Although yeah. it is it is weird of how, like, how do you have a day like that in
0: a dome? Like, right. It, it is a little questionable. But again, just
1: like you said, just like we both and, said. And, right? and last week's weather. Last week's weather was bad, and he made a 55-yarder or whatever. Right, so yeah. Last week, the wind was whipping and everything. So maybe, And maybe he's just a kicker that kicks better in, you know, in the actual elements that yeah. happens. Um, he's still a rookie I uh, I wouldn't worry about him at all
0: still a rookie, still finding his footing and that consistency to know uh, regardless of the environment around him to make those kicks so I'll forgive it again let's just see how he does moving forward but overall, Sunday's victory probably the most complete performance we've seen out of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this season And uh, the goal moving forward of course is to just keep playing complete football Play four quarters of good football. The defense showed up all four quarters. The offense play calling was pristine and balanced, which is exactly what you wanted to see, especially after last week. And uh, special teams, you got to make your kicks, but we're getting there, and he's been doing it all season up until Sunday, so I'm confident he can bounce back. But ladies and gentlemen, that's just about going to do it for this episode of the Cannon Fire Podcast. Thank you so much for listening or watching with video, whether it was on YouTube or BucksReport.com. You can follow the show on social media. We are on there: Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All of those are Cannon Fire Podcasts. Follow those for all the latest updates on the show, and of course, your Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You can follow myself on Instagram and Twitter at Redicus. and you can follow my co-host, Mister Bucks Football, Evan Wanish, on Instagram and Twitter at Bucks Wave. You can also follow him on Twitter at Evan NFL, just in case you ever want to see his hockey. Games.
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, go, 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 Flyers, baby! Oh, go man. Flyers!
0: How did they? Uh, did they play last night? Because the last game I saw they played was they lost in the shootout.
1: Yeah, they, they're bad shootouts. Um, no, they played tonight, I believe. So okay. I got the Sixers, Sixers and Flyers tonight. So
0: the only thing that I like about Philly sports is gritty. That's it. Love gritty. <laughs> Love that guy. Oh man! So go ahead and give us a follow on social media. If you follow us, maybe we'll follow you back. And of course, follow the show. <sighs> Before we go, gotta give a major shout out to our sponsors over at Pinecrest Printing and Signs. If you have an image for your business, these guys are going to make sure that it gets taken care of, and they're going to do it in the best possible fashion. They've been doing it in the Tampa Bay area since 2001, and they handle everything. If you want to start small, they've got business cards, stickers, anything imaginable. Move it up to wide format. Go banners, posters, things like that. And if you really want to get rolling, they do vehicle wraps. Brought it up last week. Could you imagine driving around with a Cannon Fire podcast vehicle wrap? If you really want to be that guy, do it, and they'll hook you up. You said, up. Rhett, you got to be that guy. I, I wish I could. I wish I had a <laughs> functioning vehicle and I could be that guy. But uh, until I get there, I won't be able to make it happen. But Pinecrest Printing and Signs, they do a great job. And, uh, of course, we love doing business with them. Now, you see on your screen right now some official merchandise for sale from the Cannon Fire podcast. We've got the black T-shirt, the red T-shirt, and of course the stickers. All of those on sale. 20 bucks for a shirt, 5 bucks for a pack of stickers, and they are courtesy of our friends at Pinecrest Printing and Signs. So you can give them a call at 813-684-5444, or you can check out their website at Pinecrestprinting.com. That's just about gonna do it for this week's episode. Feels good to talk about a Tampa Bay Buccaneers win. And of course, we will talk to you guys on Thursday as we preview the game against the Jacksonville Jaguars. I am Rhett Matthew signing off for Evan Wanish, and we'll catch you guys next time. As always, go box.
1: Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for
0: B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.